Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. All right, Film Geeks, today we're talking about Beautiful Disaster, the latest new adult adaptation. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Now, if you listen to the first episode of this podcast, it was a 2022 film recap of all the movies that I saw in 2022. You know I'm a bit of a nerd, okay? I keep a spreadsheet of all the movies that I've seen. Um, I have one for 2022. I am currently building one for 2023 as I see movies. And it has all the movies that I've seen. I list where I saw them, which I pretty much see them all in the same theater, AMC theaters of some kind, um, or streaming. I just list the network. Uh, the director, the, uh, how I rate it, yada, 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 stuff like that. I keep a whole spreadsheet. Well, last year, 2022, I saw 44 films, either in theaters or streaming. And I figure this year, I, I'd probably, when I started this year, I, I figured it would be, in, it would be, I would be lucky to even hit 44. I think I just came into a whole lot more time. Once I got AMC A list, that changed the game for me. I was able to see more movies than I would normally. And that was about October. And that's when things really picked up for me movie wise. And I figured, okay, yeah, I'll be lucky to hit 44 this year. Uh, y'all hear the airplane? Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a kid. I'm such a kid. I, I stop and listen to airplanes. I'm that person. But I thought I would. That's a long airplane. Okay. All right. So yeah, I thought I would be lucky to even hit 44. I, I was like, oh, you know, I might get close. It'd be cool to beat that number. Oh yeah, I'm gonna beat that number. As of yesterday, because I saw a movie yesterday, and we're talking about that movie today, I have seen 27 films in theaters. I've been to the theater. 27 times now that is including both movies new to 2023 and also movies that came out in 2022 but i didn't see them or they didn't release wide until this year so i can tell you how many movies that is uh one two three four five six seven eight nine movies out of the 27 i've seen were 2022 films that's still quite a bit that's still quite a lot 
Um, and by the end of the month, by the time April ends, I'll have seen 30 uh, because I'm seeing two next week. I'm going to I'm going to. I've set myself up for failure with movies next week. We'll talk about that at the end. And then I'm also seeing Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret at the end of April. And then there are a slew of movies that have come out this weekend and then it will come out next weekend and I have a lot of catching up to do. There's so many that I want to see. Uh, a horror movie that came out, I think this weekend or last weekend, there's The Pope's Exorcist also came out, Nefarious, but uh, Beautiful Disaster was the priority this week. Why was it the priority? Well, I knew it was going to be limited release. And my understanding of limited release from the time I understood what that was, I'd say, what, 2005 when Brokeback Mountain came out. That's the first time I really heard that term and paid attention to it. So, yeah, 2005, late 2005. I've always understood limited release to be, oh, yeah, they're just limit, you know, they're just releasing it to a select few theaters and then it will get a wide release. Uh, Brokeback Mountain had a limited release. I think it was like December 5th or December 9th. 2005 it was the same weekend uh the lion the witch and the wardrobe came out and then they had a wide release a few weeks later in january that's what i figured would happen with this movie there we're going to get a limited release and then it's going to go wide no when they said limited release they meant limited time only so y'all know i have amc a list right so i don't pay for movie tickets i get up to three movies a week and i use it I think this is the first week in over a month since February where I'm not seeing two movies. And, you know, the week's not over. Who knows? Who knows what I'm going to do tomorrow after church? Because I think I have to go to church tomorrow. I can't remember. Um, Who knows? The week's not over. But as of right now, this is the first week since February that I haven't seen two movies in one week. And this, you know, I had to pay a ticket for this. AMC A-List did not cover this. They considered this a special event. And I was very confused. Like, why would this not be covered? And I'm like, am I purchasing my ticket too early? Like, no. I have it. some film set on a reminder on the AMC app to let me know as soon as tickets are available. That's how I got my ticket for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, I had a reminder set. It went off. I went to AMC, the app. I checked. Yep, I got space. I can reserve this ticket. Reserved it. No big deal, right? And... This movie, no, I had to pay $15 for a ticket. And I was so confused, but I'm like, whatever. I want to see this movie. I'll buy a ticket. It's not that big of a deal. So bought a ticket, come to find out. And I found this out on TikTok from Jamie McGuire's um, TikTok account. Jamie McGuire is the author on which this movie, who wrote the book on which this movie is based, that this movie is only being released for two days. So if you did not see this movie Wednesday or Thursday, you're not going to see it again until it goes somewhere for streaming or on DVD, whenever that is. Now, Children of the Corn, the crap movie that came out last month, they told us what the plan was for the release. We're like, okay, we're only releasing this to theaters for like 18 to 21 days, and then it's going straight to streaming. I have not, if there's a plan for this, I can't find it. I haven't heard it. And I feel like the author would know because we follow one another on TikTok. And she knows that I am like, I was looking forward to seeing this knows I was looking forward to seeing this. So I I figured she would have said something or she's going to say something whenever it comes to streaming. Now, yeah, so this movie was only coming out for two days. And I'm like, why? Why? If you market this thing properly, you can make bank. Whether the movie is good or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is there is already a built-in audience for this. 
once upon a time, um, I say, when I say once upon a time, I mean back like when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, this genre kind of, of, you know, new adult fiction and erotica. So for those who don't know, let me explain real quick, because I'm going to use that phrase a lot. New adult, if you don't know. So you have young adult fiction, correct? For, you know, that's fiction for teenagers. And then you have erotica, which is obviously adult fiction and it's you know geared towards sex what have you adult themes and then you have this genre that's kind of in the middle but not quite it's called new adult fiction I feel like that's one of the best ways to explain it so this is typically romance fiction um about college-aged people young professionals and there's usually some sort of trauma that's involved uh, with beautiful disaster, we're talking about Travis Maddox, who has who's a fighter. He likes to you know mix martial arts in an illegal sense. Um, also has a bit of a drinking problem, and then you know our main female care our female character FMC. If you're familiar with the book world, you'll hear um, acronyms like MMC, FMC. So female main character, male main character. So our FMC is from a dysfunctional family. Her dad is a gambling addict who taught her how to play poker. So she has a bit of a sordid history. That's typically what you have with new adult fiction. There's always some sort of trauma that's, you know, that's involved or something bad that happened, a serious issue that's being discussed, a death here, you know, addiction there, a young girl who's basically the sole breadwinner for her family. And then she meets a man who kind of sets her free. That kind of thing. But there's always a little bit of spice involved. There's, there's some sexy tension to it. It's not heavy like you have in most erotica novels, but it's there. And Walk, uh, not Walking, Walking Disaster is one of the books in the series, but Beautiful Disaster is one of the first new adult books that I had read. I don't think I read this before Fifty Shades. Now, had I not read Fifty Shades first, I don't think I would have picked up this book. And had I not worked in a bookstore at the time, I don't think I would have read it either. I I never would have heard of it. But new adult fiction is a good genre for people who want a little bit of spice, but they don't want too much, but they want something older than, you know, young adult fiction. So they want something that's a little more mature, but not too mature. New adult fiction is a good little medium. It's a fun little genre. It's great for, for young women who want to get into romance reading, but they don't want to, you know, go into the Danielle Steele of reading. They want something that's a little more their personality, a little more their age, something they can bond over with other people. There's a big internet community around these types of books. Your spicy young adult, not young adult, but spicy new adult romance and your spicy erotica. It's kind of a combined little community, especially on TikTok. You know, it, it, it's good. It's good to jump into a lot of it. It's very easy reading, very quick reading. These are books that you can, you know, you'll sit and you'll binge read it in a day. You know, they're very engaging in that way. And because these are geared towards females and a lot of them are written by females, they have a little bit. They, they have what we're looking for, I feel like, you know, these are men written by women and it's different. It's just very, very different. However, comma, we get into Beautiful Disaster. I love this book. I love Travis. Abby's cool. I don't really care. I'm all about Travis. Travis was one of my first book boyfriends. And now we have an adaptation. Now, with any adaptation, you always have people complaining. You have Dylan Sprouse, who plays our MMC, Travis Maddox, who looks nothing like what any of us pictured. I pictured him to be much taller, much leaner, and longer hair. I don't know if I got that from the book or what. I don't remember. That's just how I pictured it in my head. So Dylan Sprouse was definitely not the guy 
guy I pictured. And Dylan Sprouse is most definitely not the man that I was, you know, looking to lust over in the movie theater, okay? I've been watching this kid in movies since he was itty bitty little. Big Daddy. So what, late 90s? In my head, he's still, you know, whichever twin it was on Sweet Life on Deck, I never knew which one was which. I mean, you can tell them apart, but I I don't know which name goes to which twin. What I think he was Zach, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. They look more like now than they did when they were little, oddly enough. But, you know, they were Disney. And here's the thing about a lot of Disney shows is even though they're cast might get older their characters don't age too much sometimes you have like Hannah Montana where Miley Cyrus was 13 when the show started and the show kind of grew with her the same with uh Wizards of Waverly Place Selena Gomez was like 12 13 when the show started and by the time it ended she was a graduated senior so it grows with her and that's true for most of your television shows on Disney. But however, I think for the boys, for the most part, they tend to keep them young. It's it's hard to imagine they're anything older than, you know, you're, you're 13, you're 14. So looking at Dylan Sprouse, knowing he's a grown man, it's really hard to imagine, okay, okay, so he's grown. So I can look at him like he's grown, but he was on Sweet Life yesterday. No, Sweet Life on Deck ended like 12 years ago. You know, I had to look all this up just to get over my own guilt. Okay, so Sweet Life. So those who need to hear this, I've already mentioned this on TikTok. And I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, a YouTube short on here that I have. I don't even remember. So for those who need to hear this, hear me very, hear me, hear me. Dylan Sprouse is 30 years old. He will be 31 this year. Him and his brother. He is 30 years old. Three, zero, 30 years old. He's five years younger than me. Sweet Life on Deck, the television show in which we all watched him as a child, ended 12 years ago. It has been 12 years since the last episode of Sweet Life on Deck aired. 12. So for a lot of women who are like, I kind of want to watch this, but isn't he a child? You're good. You're in the clear. You're not going to jail. Watch this however you can because you can't watch it in theaters anymore. Lust away. Simp away. Do what you need to do. Okay? You're fine. I had to look that up for me. I did it for you. I hope I set you free. But let's get into this. So this is Beautiful Disaster based on a novel written by Jamie McGuire. It stars Dylan Sprouse, as I said. Jenny Gardner is directed by Roger Cumble. Now, there are so many things to talk about here. And as far, you know, from a technical standpoint, I don't really care. Um, when it comes to romance novels or not romance, novel, but romance movies, romantic comedies, I'm not going to be too picky on anything technical. I don't, I don't really care much about the cinematography. It's not that important. That's not what, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm here for, right? Unless, you know, the location matters. Like Tickets to Paradise, a movie with Julia Roberts and George Clooney from last fall. I think most of that was shot in Bali. And it's beautiful. So if you're going to shoot somewhere exotic, then your cinematography needs to be on point. You need to be able to capture that location. Most of this is shot in on a college campus takes place in Sacramento. Now, if you, I don't care what Sacramento looks like. No offense to those who live in Sacramento. I'm a Southern baby. Okay. Born and raised in the South cornbread Southern. I, I don't, you know, and given the nature of this story, I don't care. I do not care. It matters not to me. Not at all. It, the fact that this even takes place in Sacramento doesn't matter. 
because our main character, Abby Abernathy, played by Jenny Gardner, isn't even from Sacramento. She's from Vegas. She's in Sacramento basically to escape and build a life of her own. You know, she has a very, very dysfunctional relationship with her father, whom she calls by his first name, Mick. Her um, mother abandoned her when she was very, very little. So this is very on par for new adult fiction. And her father taught her how to play poker. He had a gambling addiction. She was a bit of a prodigy, but she got out of the game. She wanted a normal life. She's at college. She's kind of straight laced, very modest. You know, she dresses like she's on her way to a job interview. I think, you know, it almost in a way to kind of clean herself up, to erase some of the negative from her past. You know, some of the things she was used to being in Vegas casinos all the time and playing poker and whatnot. She's, you know, very trying to be something different, trying to put on a new face. You know, she has friends whom she loves and adores and she goes to this underground fighting ring match. And there she meets Travis Maddox, our MMC played by Dylan Sprouse. Now, for those of you who are like, he doesn't look the way I thought. Okay. That's not even the point. The point is, does he play the character? Can he do the, can he do the job? I am willing to overlook any kind of physical differences as long as he can play the character. Did Dylan Sprouse play the character? Because that's what a lot of y'all who are interested in the movie want to know. Am I going, if I have read this book, am I going to enjoy this? Did he play the part? No. And that's not his fault. Dylan Sprouse, for what he was given, for the role he was given, for the role he was called to play, I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought he did great. There's definitely, there were moments of just kind of a a nuanced greatness in his performance, but it it was almost like he was holding back or he was being held back because you had, you could see kind of this, this, this urge in him to kind of stretch out and reach out, but it was like he was being held back. He was being, you know, pushed back and it was, uh, it was a little annoying for me, but no, no, he is not the Travis we know in the books. And we can get into the details of that in a minute. But no, for those of you who are wondering, he's not the Travis from the books. Abby Abernathy, I think, is kind of more on par for what we expect. Um, Her character, I think, is pretty much to a T, but Travis is all wrong. Um, Definitely not on par with the new adult genre. I honestly thought the approach to his character was very cowardly on the part of the writer and the director. And this was written and directed by the same person. So Julia Hart, it looks like, was a co-writer, but the main writer here is Roger Cumble, who also directed. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, it sounded familiar to me. I couldn't quite place it until I looked him up. This man... And I'm so mad at him right now because there's no excuse for it. But this man directed, directed, I'm going to say this again. He wrote and directed Cruel Intentions. Cruel Intentions, one of the most toxic male characters in a film, Sebastian Valmont, played by Ryan Phillippe. How did you jack this up? I understand that was, what, 1999? But sir, you're this this is not quite different. And the story is definitely different. The story by itself is a lot more toxic, but in terms of just the awfulness of a male character, but we love him anyway, regardless. Um pretty on par. Like I don't understand. There like when I say there was a cowardly approach to Travis Maddox, this is what I mean. He is toxic as hell. 
okay. He's toxic. He's a bit of an alcoholic. He's controlling. He gets jealous. Their relationship in the book is just the epitome of toxic. It is everything a woman should not want in real life, but in book land, it's everything we want. It's the ups and downs of a relationship. It's the highs and lows. It's the roller coaster. A lot of, it's the adventure a lot of us are looking for in a fantasy world. We wouldn't be able to handle it probably, probably in real life. I keep knocking my water bottle. Y'all, I got a new water bottle. Someone ordered it for me on Amazon and it's amazing and I love it that has nothing to do with anything but anyways so their relationship is hella toxic that's why it's called beautiful disaster I'm not sure about this I don't know I need to look it up but if I had to guess because when I first saw the title beautiful disaster the first thing that popped in my head was a song by Kelly Clarkson which makes sense if you know the story it kind of fits I can't think of anywhere else where that title would come from but that's not unusual for people to name a story after a song. Whenever I am wanting to write fiction and I need inspiration, I go to music. I will find a song title, a song of some sorts, and I will write a story based on that song. And that will kind of get the, you know, creative juices flowing. So toxic, hella toxic relationship. That was not present in this movie at all. If anything, she was more the problem than he was, which is kind of a little bit on par because it's like, girl, why are you resisting? Why are you being stupid? Just go for it. So that's there. This like, why is she resisting? Why is she pushing him away? Why is she acting like this girl? Just go for it. That's there. But the truth is he was more of the problem in their relationship than she was. She was a little more level-headed and she kind of had to be the neck that turned the head. That was completely opposite here. Dylan, his his version of Travis was much more level-headed, much more calm, much more rational. He was more of a hero than Abby was. Abby is the hero in our story, kind of. She's the one that kind of rescues him and I don't think he even realizes it until later. But Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving 
while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. They just really just kind of flip this. And I'm trying to figure out for what? The reason why this book is so freaking popular is because the main character, Travis Maddox, Travis Mad Dog Maddox, is so damn toxic. That's... I, I don't know what what was the point? What was the point in, in bringing this to life if you weren't going to tell the story the way it was meant to be told? Women are not all about the story because it's so sweet and lovey-dovey and oh my God, he just makes me feel so good. No, women are all about the story because we are a lot like Abby. We are stubborn. We're abrasive sometimes. We crave a man who will challenge us, pardon my French, on our bullshit. Who will who will challenge us on it, come face to face with it, and not back down. That's what a lot of these books are for a lot of women. These men who challenge their gangster, who challenge their dominance, and win. That was not here. It was a little bit. There was some banter back and forth where she's clearly being a bit of a turd and he's just not having it. He doesn't care. He challenges her on it. He takes control. He he moves the relationship. But she, it, uh, very, very frustrated. Very, very frustrated. But I enjoyed the movie for the most part. I know it sounds like I didn't, but I actually really did. This is, you know, I mentioned this on TikTok, but, you know, if I still bought DVDs, I would buy this on DVD. No questions asked. I would definitely watch this on screen, on streaming. This is definitely a movie I would want to watch when I need something to make me feel good. A dopamine hit, if you will. Just, you know, that feeling of being the only girl in the room. Like, that's what I would watch this movie for, definitely. So I enjoyed it. I laughed. I thought it was sweet. It's saucy, a little sexy. You know, I I will never, ever be able to binge watch Sweet Life on Deck ever again. You know, Dylan Sprouse putting his head between a female's legs. I can't unsee that. I saw a lot of Dylan Sprouse booty. A lot. Okay. So yeah, this is rated R for a reason. For a reason. You hear me? For a reason. And so I, I just, I just, I can't unsee it. So yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be able to watch the sweet life of Zach and Cody or sweet life on deck and see, you know, little Dylan Sprouse and be like, nope, I've seen him naked. Can't do it anymore. Like I said, I very much enjoyed the movie. This was a good audience kind of movie with a you know, nice, decent crowd in a theater. Uh, just mainly women, obviously, and just the getting the way we laughed at this, I thought was just so sweet, <laughs> which is funny given the nature of the movie. But there were definitely some issues I had with it, and I just think this comes from having read the book. Uh, again, the the approach to this was very cowardly because the 
kind of the, the, the point of this book is their toxic relationship, the toxicness of Travis. And he avoided all of that. Again, this is the same guy that brought us one of the most toxic male characters in our millennial history, Sebastian Valmont. And I, I truly believe this is why a lot of women are the way we are is because of Sat- Sebastian Val- Valmont. Okay. We were groomed early and young. I'm convinced we could, we could talk about that in a, another time. However, I think the the cowardly approach, the way he avoided all of the toxicity of the story, the chaos, the ups and downs, the way he portrayed Travis as such a good guy. Travis is not a good guy. He's our guy, but he's not a good guy. He's a man whore. Um, he alluded to it a little bit, you know, with him going on a dating app and saying, yeah, consensual partners or him, you know, getting caught having sex with some girl who speaks French and then throwing away her number after she leaves it. And, you know, but then he, you know, he kind of brushes it off and says, oh, she wasn't really giving me my number because the lady came out the bedroom and handed her phone number to Abby. Abby was staying in at his place because the showers at her dorm weren't working. So she needed a place to stay. So she called her best friend who kind of stays with her boyfriend. So he's like, yeah, come stay with us. Oh, by the way, Travis is the roommate. So, you know, she's studying at a kitchen counter and girl comes out and hands her Travis's number says, give this to him. He, she gives it to him and he throws it away. And he's like, yeah, she wasn't really giving me her number. She was marking her territory. Basically trying to write it off. Like, like he's kind of a good guy. He's just a normal college dude who has a healthy amount of sex. No, like. Okay, so how does a relationship happen, right? The spoiler alert, spoiler alert, a lot of spoiler alerts. So what happens is he's a mixed martial arts fighter. They have a budding kind of growing friendship. He makes her a bet while he's at a fight and says, if this dude touches me, if he lays a hand on me, I'll go without sex for a number of months, a number of months, excuse me. Um, but if I, if I, he doesn't touch me, not at all, you have to stay with me for a month. He wins the bet and she ends up staying with him in his bedroom. They share a bed for a month and they're not a thing at this point. They're just friends kind of building and growing a friendship. And he's still having sex with women while she's staying in his bed. But, you know, he's doing it on the couch. Um, They kind of allude to the fact that, you know, oh, I don't no one sleeps in my bed. You know, he you know, that's a sacred place. But like we visually see that in the book where he does not have sex with women in his bedroom. He only does it on the couch and. Just certain things like that, that kind of make the relationship a bit sweeter because she is the first person he takes into her bed like that sounds toxic, right? It sounds awful, but there's a sweetness to it that for whatever reason just draws us in. And you don't even tap into stuff like that. That's such a minor detail that was just missed. And just, we were, so much was left out. So much was left out. The meat and the heart of the story were just not there. The reason that many women would flock to a movie like this, it was just not there. And this seems to be a growing theme, as you, if you will, with female audiences in movies. So go back a couple months ago to The Invitation, right? So I've ranted and raved about this movie on TikTok. I'm still mad about it. I feel like we deserve a do-over. We need to have the ending that we deserve. So this movie, The Invitation, stars uh, Natalie Emanuel and Thomas Doherty. Thomas Doherty, also kind of a Disney kid. He played Harry Hook in Descendants 2. He's currently on Gossip Girl, the reboot on HBO Max. Good-looking Scottish dude fine very fine 
And he stars in this movie where he plays Dracula, basically. It's a vampire romance. However, this romance was supposed to be a little more woke than it was received. By woke, I mean this was supposed to be female empowerment, smash the patriarchy, you know, you know, I don't need no man, I'm my own independent woman, I'm a boss babe kind of girl. But you know, this is a girl who's struggling, working paycheck to paycheck, doing what she loves as a hobby, working a job she doesn't care about, and she's a colossal you know what for no reason just mean for no reason she's annoying in a sense and then she meets this man named walt who is instantly attracted to her we find out later why and you know she we fold instantly the the whole point of the movie was we were supposed to rally behind evie like yeah girl smash that patriarchy no we took one look at walt and go on tiktok if you don't believe me but this is pretty universal we'll take one look at walt and we fold we absolutely fold. I'm like ready to submit and give this man whatever he wants. You want to make me a vampire sister wife? Done. It's done. You don't even have to ask whatever you... That was the reaction from a lot of women who watched this movie. They were all about him. And that's, that's, the, that's this genre, is that it's all about the dude. The girl, whatever you want to do with her, I don't care. They could have found a green alien to play Abby Abernathy, and it wouldn't have made a difference to me. I just needed them to get Travis right. Because women, when they walk into these romance movies, and they walk into this genre, it's not the women that we're here for. We're here for the dude. We're here for the dude that we can't get in real life. I don't know how to make that make sense to a lot of these people in Hollywood who seem to not understand female audiences. You want to tap into this genre and make money off of this demographic of women, but you're not listening. I don't get it. I don't get how y'all can make three Fifty Shades of Grey movies giving us the the Christian Grey that we all know, love, and read and then fumble the bag however many years later. Hello. Hello. A lot of the women who are reading these books, they started with Fifty Shades of Grey. It's the same audience. It's the same audience. Yet, we can't get them to give us the movies we deserve. So I'm still mad about the invitation because girl fumbled the whole bag. What do you mean no? What do you mean you're not going to marry him? What do you mean you're going to go back to your crappy little New York apartment working the job you don't like, doing ceramics on the side? This man just offered to give you everything and more. All you had to do was agree to be a sister wife. Hello. That's that's a small price to pay out. And he's a vampire. That alone would make me say yes. Every woman was like, this girl fumbled the bag. That ending sucked. Why would she say no? We need a new ending. I am begging for a new ending for the invitation. An alternate ending where she says, yes, I'll be your vampire bride. Because that's the ending we want. That's the ending we deserved. That's what these female audiences are looking for this type of female these audiences are looking for in these movies we don't give a brown rat's ass about the girl okay we don't care about her we're not here for her we're not rooting for her we're rooting for him because we want to be her in her place that's all she's good for she's a placeholder for us does that make sense so the question i think a lot of people have is why do women like these movies again these are men written by women so there's that So these are men written by women. So these are men written the way we want them to be written by women. Okay. So there are a couple of reasons. Now I haven't like looked into the science or psychology behind this. I'm only a woman who reads some of these books. So I know, and I'm just going to give you kind of the lowdown on why a lot of women like these books. So number one, because a lot of this is, you know, spicy romance erotica, so to speak. Um, 
your modern day regular porn, you know, your porn hub or whatever, that kind of porn, because this is, you know, it's literature porn in a sense, right? Um, that kind of porn hub porn is not made for women. It's designed for men. It's for male pleasure. It just is. I mean, it's it's designed to get men off in this. It's, it's, it's made for them. Short, quick, boom. Women, when it comes to getting aroused, it takes a little bit more. It's not impossible. It just, we're just different. We're very mental. It's all in our heads. The imagination in a woman is a very powerful thing. So we will concoct entire novel size fantasies and these fantasies will change over time. And, you know, we'll mature with the character in that story because she's us, but better. And then he is who exactly who we want him to be. So, Regular porn made for men. Women are a little more mental. They like the imagination. Audio. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Quinn app, which is audio erotica, a company made by women designed for women because women are mental. So we love to read it. We love to hear it. It's different. So you have basically long form fantasies in the, in the way of these books. And then these are men written by women. So these are men doing the things that women want them to do in bed. So you have that part that you're not going to see in a regular porn video. You're not going to see a man talking too much in a porn video. You're not going to see a man praising a woman too much in a regular porn video. You're not going to see a man walking a woman through her emotions and the step. You're not going to see that. What you're also not going to see in real life are men who have all their red flags up front. That's, you know, a question that I see from a lot of people is like, these men are so toxic. They're so awful and mean. Like, why would you be into that? It's, I don't know if it's so much that we're into men who are toxic, but I think it's the fact that all of the red flags are right there up front. It's not like we have to go on 10 dates to figure out they have a whole bunch of baggage that they're carrying over their shoulders. It's right there in the first 10 pages. Everything we really need to know to make an informed, consensual decision on whether we want to engage in this fictional relationship is right there. And having that knowledge allows us as the women a little bit of control. Because as women, we're nurturers, we're we're caregivers, we're welcomers. So even though these men are broken to the nth degree usually there is that piece of us that wants to make the world brighter for them so there's that aspect in these stories of women who are dealing with their own sense of brokenness trying to heal themselves dealing with a man who's that much more broken yet is leading them in a way they've never been led before so it allows them to not only just rest in their feminine but also be that feminine caregiver that many of us crave to be but won't say out loud did any of that make sense? That's where a lot of this is. And that's kind of what walking disaster is because you have this boy who's broken in a sense, comes from a good family. His mother died when he was very little. He has five, what, four older brothers, I believe. So he's the youngest of five boys. Good dad. Um, but he's, you know, he's a fighter. He's toxic. He's jealous. He's he's broken. He's He's just, you know, he's all over the place. He's kind of lost. He really doesn't know how to connect with another human being. And then he meets Abby and it's different. And Abby is dealing with her own toxic past that she's trying to keep hidden from the rest of the world. Yet she's met this man who has 
restored a new kind of life in her and shown her the possibility a new hope and now she has to deal with the secret that she has because her dad could ruin everything her dad could ruin her entire life and you know travis has the right to know that but travis has his own demons and she doesn't know how to navigate those demons so she's trying to to figure out how to navigate her past navigate travis while travis figures out what's wrong with him it's a whole hot mess of a situation but there's something about that chaos that mess that women just find a lot of peace in And that was missing from this movie. And it angered me to the nth degree. I am petitioning, officially petitioning, that we take the whole cast, because I love the cast here, even some of the supporting cast. They were kind of a little two-dimensional flat, but they were so funny. They added a little bit of extra spark and laugh. They were there, and it was beautiful. Um, A little two-dimensional, kind of. But I want to take the whole cast, and I want to get a different director. Honestly, can I get a female director? I want a female director because men seem to not get it. Now, a woman directed the invitation. However, she was so stuck on, we need a rally behind women that she just completely neglected her intended audience. Like, didn't read the room at all. So give me another female director. Someone who gets it. Who directed Fifty Shades of Grey? I can't remember if that was a woman or a man. I don't even care. Get that person because they got it. Take this whole cast here from Beautiful Disaster and give it to whoever directed Fifty Shades of Grey and get them a do-over. Now, Fifty Shades of Grey is not a masterpiece by any stretch of the words, but I think they understood the audience and that's all I'm asking. I feel like that's not a whole lot to ask. Just give me a movie that understands its audience. This didn't get it, and it's unfair. So unfair. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to me rant and rave about another movie. So that was Beautiful Disaster. Just to sum it up, it, I thought it was cute. It was sweet, a little saucy, a little sexy. I'm never going to be able to look at Dylan Sprouse the same way again. I will never be able to watch a sweet life on deck ever again. That happened. So, yeah, I think it's just a cute little film. It's short, not very long. However, if you have not read the book, I think you're going to enjoy it because you're not missing anything. If you have read the book, I think you might be bothered by the things that are missing. And if you have read the book and you are heavily into this genre of literature, your new adult and even erotica, you know what should be there. Not just what should be in the details of this story, but in terms of the genre, you know what should be there. And I think you are going to be highly put off by the lack if that makes sense. So what's coming up? Pray for me because next Thursday I set myself up for failure. I am going to run myself ragged. I may as well wear a diaper because I don't think I'm going to have time to go to the bathroom. Yes, I did just say that out loud. So next Thursday at five o'clock, I'm seeing Chevalier. And then, and then at seven o'clock, I'm seeing Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Oh my goodness. So Chevalier is a little under two hours long. It's like an hour and 47 minutes, but that doesn't account for, you know, about 20 minutes of trailers. But that hour and 47 minutes also includes the end credits. So I, I might just be able to make it. However, I'm, I'm counting on 20 minutes of credits for uh, The Covenant, which, I mean, I've seen all the credits at this point. I don't think there's anything new that I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen anything new in a while. So yeah, this that's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to go and watch Chevalier and then run out the theater, go to the counter, refill my popcorn, refill my drink, and then run to the Covenant. Hope and pray the credits are still, not the credits, the trailers are still rolling. And if it's a trailer I've already seen, that means I'm going to run to the bathroom, use it real quick, run back, hopefully get back by the time Nicole Kidman 
that thanks me for going to the theater. That that's the goal here. Whew, there's a lot to see in the month of April, y'all. And I know I said that this will be the first week in which I haven't seen a movie twice in a week in over a month. That could change. There's a lot that came out this week that I really want to see. Mamma Mia with Tony Collette, uh, The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe. I haven't seen Russell Crowe in theaters in so long. It's been years for me. So that should be interesting. Um, and very excited to see that one. So that might be something I see tonight. I don't know. I, I make up things, you know, I make up my schedule on the fly most of the time. And golly, yeah, it's, it's a lot that's coming out this month that I really want to see. But are you there, Margaret? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm really looking forward to that one at the end of the month. That should be a really sweet, nostalgic adaptation. And I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it's going to be wonderful. Rachel McAdams is in it. It's crazy seeing her play someone's mom like that. Like, Really? Is 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 different, you know, growing up and especially growing up with some of these actors that were young like you when you were young and seeing them do adult things um, behind the camera, being seeing them be parents or getting older and, and dealing with adult problems. Very interesting. So that's what's on the horizon. That's what's coming up. I love you all very much. I hope you had an amazing I hope you have an amazing weekend. I hope you had a great Easter and a great is Passover still happening. I never know. But I hope it was wonderful. I hope you're doing lovely. And I will see you next time. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad. And I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.